Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Uh, Dan is a longtime friend of this church. He's been here for longer, or been a friend of this church longer than I have. He's been friends with the founding pastor, friends with uh, David and Mary's family. And uh, and somehow we ran into each other at a pastor's um, a sectional meeting. And he said, we need to get together. You're the pastor of Emmanuel. We need to get together. And uh, we have, and it's been a friendship. He's been such encouragement to me. Um, as you may remember, if you were here last time he was here, he was working on a project um, to build a pavilion that they're using for um, for ministry. I'm going to let him tell you about it. Do we have pictures loaded yet or anything? No, no pictures. Okay, we'll have them next time. We'll play him next time. But why don't you just come on up, take it over before I try to try to tell everybody what you're going to tell us, Okay. Would you welcome Dan Webb? Hey, hey. The devil can have my pictures, but he can't have me. Amen. <laughs> oh, technology and me sometimes don't get along. Hey, we built the pavilion. Hallelujah. And, and 75% of the money that's in that ground came from this room. Praise the name of Jesus. I had vertigo so bad when I was here that Sunday, I couldn't even hardly stand up. But when I got up, if you remember, I did fine. And I got to the car. (laughs) Terry's got him. (laughs) I got him too. I don't know how they didn't get there, but let's not worry about that. But we built the pavilion and supernaturally, built it because when you're fighting the devil, you got to have supernatural. It's just exactly what BJ said. You got to have God come on in. And he did. And he is. I just, uh, two days ago, booked the next ticket, February and March the 4th. We'll go back to Indonesia, go to the village. And we're going to spend a while up there this time. I told Terry how long we're going to be gone. She said, how long? <laughs> they're going to work on those pictures. They may get them before we get through. You never know. But thank you. That was miraculous. Uh, BJ, did you ever tell them how much? Yes. $5,000 out of this room. Don't tell me small and big. Right. Amen. And let me just tell you, I've been doing this a long time. It's always that way, isn't it, Ricky? It's always that way. It's always that way. Everybody thinks, let's go to the big ones. That's not how it works. You let God speak to somebody. He can just speak to one and make it work. But you guys responded to the voice of the Lord. Amen. I'm so happy. I'm so happy you did it because I got skin in the game here. Amen. Man, what a blessing it was. And we're going to, we, we didn't have quite enough money. You know, you never have enough money if you, if you do ministry. That's the truth. <laughs> you never have enough money. So we're going to do some shrubs and some landscape and just pretty it up. And, uh, I don't have that done yet, but we're working on it. We're working on it. We need to raise probably about four or $5,000 cause we're totally out of art supplies. Let me explain to you how we do this. We work with Hindus. You don't go to a Hindu and hand them a track. It won't work. They'll run you out of town. So what we do is we went to Hindus and we say, 
we got art supplies and we know how to do art. You want us to come up and do art with the kids? And they had COVID and they were hungry. And I, and we said, and we'll bring lunch too. So we started going every two weeks, bringing lunch for two more weeks because they were hungry. And we started doing art. All the kids in the village love to do art now, so they all come to do art. All of our art's about Jesus. All the stories are about Jesus. And so the guy that let us use his land, a high Hindu, Rimkim, you know what that is, a high Hindu, let us use his land. We leave the village. Mahdi has a vision. He's 61 years old has a vision, and Jesus said, Mahdi, I'm who you're looking for. He calls our director the next morning, David, and he said, David, come back up here. David goes back up there. Mahdi said, Jesus came to me last night in a vision. What in the world is going on? He said, well, he does that kind of stuff. That's what David told me, he said. And he said, and when he does, he uses people like me to explain what this is about. So if you want to accept Jesus, he's knocking on your door and he'd like to be your savior. And mighty every everything, every time you talk to him about Jesus, and he said, I want to join. I want it. BJ said something real important. Three weeks later, on his own, not because we prodded him, he went to the river and got baptized on his own. He said, he asked, he asked David, he said, what do we do next? He said, well, many people that follow Jesus follow in water baptism. He said, I want to do that. This isn't funny business, religion. This isn't funny business. I wish everybody in America got saved like Mighty did. He went from black to white. He went from darkness to light. Amen. Looky there. <laughs> there it is, y'all. And and uh, it's nice. It's nice. And we're doing shrubs and all kinds of stuff. They put a tree right here. We don't know why, so we're going to take it down. But, but we're going to put all kinds of shrubs and stuff. And then over here, over here on the other side, we have an amphitheater that will seat 200. And so we can have church over here or we can have church over there. Now, when we were there, this was this is an easel, and David wrote a book. And I mean, a, a friend of David's wrote a book, and David illustrated. He's an artist. And Terry sat and read the book in English, and then his wife translated it into Bahasa, and all the kids heard about the uh, story of Jesus with horses and Oh, it, everything we do is about Jesus. So it was a story of a, a man that was one day on a beach, Terry, or something, and and you too long ago. Okay, but anyway, when when they, we get through, see all these bags. Everybody gets a bag it has rice in it and and all kind of food supplies that'll last two weeks, and then we'll be back in two weeks. And uh, and no telling what's going to happen. You talking about people getting saved. All we know is there's more people getting saved than we want to tell. Because we don't want to get run away. 
Man, what a good problem to have. More people getting saved than we know what to do with. Ooh, that's a good problem for a man like me. Hallelujah. We're so excited about what is going up on up in that village. It's because of people like you. You know, we don't, we're not real smart. We just ask people to help us and they help us and we go do it. And pray for us. I'm serious when I say this. Those seats on those airplanes, it's 30. Seven hours from where I am to where they are. And my backside doesn't like 37 hours in one spot. So pray for me and Terry. Amen. What'd you say? <laughs> pray for Terry more than me because I can sleep on a plane. She can't. All right. I have a burning message in my heart all week. You just caught me at a time. All week I've been thinking about something. And so I need some water. And so I am. Uh, we're going to go in a whole another direction. And you're going to travel with me. And we are going to. And untwist if you will. And uh, so I don't spill it all over Dixie. Let's pray y'all. Father we love you. We thank you that you love us. We thank you for a day like this. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Hallelujah. I, I agree with BJ. I think it's a special day and your presence is special in this room. Touch me, Lord, as I try to deliver what you placed in my heart. And help these people to receive, not just with their natural minds, but with their spiritual minds. We need impartation in this day we live in, Lord. And we need an awakening, and we also need an experience with you, the Almighty God. And I pray those things happen in this room. You're faithful, Lord. You've always been faithful. And I give you praise for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And devil, you can take that. We got a picture. Hallelujah. Thank you guys for doing that. Uh, the, the verse of Scripture, if you have your Bible, is James chapter 3 and one verse. I got a lot of verses today, but one verse is verse 16. And let's read this together. For where jealousy, read it with me, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice. How many of you can testify that's true? How many of you ever been in a job when somebody's jealous of you or, you or somebody else in the room jealous of somebody else in the room? You don't want to go to work. It, you can feel it. You can cut it with a knife. Am I right? When there's strife in a room, I, I can walk into a church and tell you the temperature of that church. I don't know anything about it. I just walked in. And if it's good, I feel good. And if it's not good, I feel that. And we think we can get away with it, but you can't get away with it. <coughs> because everybody knows what's going on. A lot of times a visitor <laughs> seems to know more about it than the guys that come regularly. And I'm aware 
I've been thinking about this all week, so you're just going to have to bear with me. I'm aware that we must think that when God tells us not to do something, we have capital letter not to do stuff and little small letter not to do stuff. Or we take it more seriously. Because if somebody comes up to you and says, you don't commit adultery, do you? <laughs> don't talk like that in this room. You see what I'm saying? So we know that's a big, big letter. But somehow envy and jealousy, oh, well, you know, everybody kind of has a hard time with that sometimes. I've been thinking about that all week. I think maybe we should make it more important not to do that. But we struggle with not doing that. What a callback. That was a phone, I guess. And I'm fully aware that God warns us over and over and over and over and over and over again. If you read your Bible, don't be envious. Don't be jealous. So you know you're not supposed to do it. And I know I'm not supposed to do it. And yet, if I put a gun to everybody's head in the room, probably everybody say they've done it. You see what I'm saying? It, it's, it's like it's not near as important not to do this as it is some capital letter stuff. But I think it's just as important not to do that because of all the damage it does. If it didn't do so much damage, I'd say, oh, it doesn't matter. But it does so much damage. Where it is, what does it say? There's disorder in every vile practice. Can you say, that's right? Yeah, that's right. I've been out here a long time, so I got a lot of stories, but I don't tell on people. I'm, that's not my purpose. But I was in a church one time, and, and this guy was all upset at me, and, and he was just upset. He wasn't really upset at me. I just was the one that got picked that week. He got upset at the people in the church. The lady stood up and said, I'm so glad that I got to be in revival tonight. It was a Tuesday night, and, and she sat down and this guy stood up the pastor of the church and here's what he said you should be ashamed you weren't here every night i could have crawled under the pew i thought dear jesus where am i what nightmare am i in get me out of this before i hurt somebody are you with me the lady makes all the effort she could to get her time off let somebody else take her shift that night so she can come to church and she gets that. I understand why people don't come to that church. And so he got all over me that night and I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll do you a favor. He said, what? I said, I'll leave. Oh, you, you, you'd have thought I dropped a bomb in the room. You can't leave. You committed. I said, well, make up your mind. Either treat me like a human being and let me stay or let me leave. Because if you treat me like you treat her, I'm not staying. 
Not because I don't like you, but because I like God better. And God doesn't like that. Envy, strife, causes disorder and vile practice. And I believe that social media causes envy and strife. We hand a phone to a 16-year-old kid. That's like handing a nuclear bomb to a child. They don't even know what they're getting when they get it. I got a three-year-old, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on some bandwagon. I got a three-year-old and he's got a tablet. Every three-year-old's got a tablet if their parent got some money. You say, no, they don't. Okay, good. You don't, but a lot of them do. And they play games and they're babysitters. That's what they're called. It's called Kindle Kid. And he knows how to use it, doesn't he? We just saw him yesterday. He knows how to push every little button on that thing. That's not all bad. My son had a computer when he was eight. But it didn't hook up to the internet. Oh, he was so mad. I said, you're not even old enough to know how to think, much less how to do that. Oh, he got mad. Now he's got a three-year-old. What am I supposed to do? Just what I did. Train up a child in the way that they will go. It didn't say it's fun, did it? It doesn't say it's fun, did it, Ricky? It doesn't say, oh, and you'll just be saying, oh, this is so enjoyable. No, no, it's hell on earth. But when they're old, they'll thank you. I'm not, I'm not on that. If you've got a tablet, my, my kids got tablets. My son had a computer. I'm just telling you how messed up we are in the world. The people that are making the stuff and that are programming the stuff, they don't care about your Jesus. They don't care about your God. It's a good place right there for amen. It's true, isn't it? And so we have these kids that have all this peer pressure. I never had peer pressure like this. We had a little bit, but we never had it like this, y'all. This is peer pressure on steroids. Amen? Give you some statistics. One-third of teenage boys feel pressure to engage in sexual activity. Probably higher than that. Around one in four girls felt pressured to have sex when they were a teenager. Probably higher than that. One in five teens has had sex by the time they're 15. Probably higher than that. And listen to this one. This doesn't have anything to do with teenagers. 20% of 56 plus citizens of the world feel pressure to drink more alcohol. That surprised me. In other words, 
somebody took them to dinner and pressured them to drink something they weren't planning to drink. Do dogs wag tails or do tails wag dogs? At my house when I grew up, if I blamed somebody else for why I did something, it didn't work. It didn't work. My daddy would say, who decided? What? He'd just kind of look at me like I was crazy. Let me just tell you, I have researched it all week. Dogs wag tails. It's settled. Write it down. If you go out and you do something dumb, don't blame the tail. Everybody say amen. But the pressure that people feel is real, amen? It's real. It's, it's not make-believe. It's not like, well, you know, no. I'm not saying it's a reason, but it's a cause. If you give in to it, it's going to sell you down some weird river. And you're not going to like where you end up. The bank that you end up on ain't going to be pretty. And they say all the crazy stuff. I mean, when I was growing up, I'm, I'm not so old, I can't remember. Just try it. You'll like it. And the peer pressure. Dr. Dre headphones. Do anybody know what that is? Let me, and let me just, all you need to know about it. Don't even worry about it. $300. That's all you need to know about it. And you can get on Amazon or you can get on Google and say something almost as good as Dr. Dre, but less. And you can buy something for $40 that you can't tell the difference. Except they don't have Dr. Dre on them. Let me just tell you something. Save you a lot of time. Save up your money because your teenager will not want them if they don't have Dr. Dre on them. Why? Why? Because if I wear those down the hall at school, nobody knows I spent $300 on my headphones. <laughs> now, that sounds like insanity, doesn't it? But it's real. When I got out of my house, you know, the first pair of jeans I bought, Levi's. You know why? My daddy wouldn't buy Levi's. He said, that's the stupidest decision you'll ever make. Why pay $29 for something that looks pretty good for 10? You, you get what I'm saying? And I fell into it as soon as I got out of the house. And let me just say, after the second pair of Levi's wore out, I went to the tent. And I'm vain enough, everybody hold your hat. I went to the doc. I went to the. <laughs> I shouldn't tell on myself, but here we go. I went to Goodwill and bought a pair of Levi's and cut the tag off and sold it on for $10. <laughs> Sound like you don't it. You don't remember that? Yeah. 
You remember Sands Abouts? I got some $12 Sands About lookalikes and put the little S on. Remember that little? <laughs> and then finally one day, I, I'm just being honest, I thought, how stupid are you, dude? That S doesn't make those Sands Abouts. That tag doesn't make that Levi's. Although I work in that part of the world, they're probably made on the same assembly line. They probably do an hour worth of Levi's and an hour worth of $10, probably. And then I went to the Bible, and the Bible even talked about Levi's. I can believe it says, don't worry about what you wear. He said it. So don't be worried about what you wear. Don't, don't be cutting asses off riches. You see how you can get caught into this? You can get caught into it, man. Guys buying cars they can't afford because they don't want to buy a car they can't afford because it doesn't look as good and it doesn't impress as much. And don't think that because you got through teenage years and you didn't do that stupid that you hadn't done something stupid. Because stupid is running rapid in the world. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And I started really started to research not just this last week, but over time. And I haven't done it all right. I couldn't stand up here and preach this if I acted like I was holier than that. You couldn't preach this. I've done a lot of stuff wrong. But I got somebody that God gave me that has her head screwed on right if I don't. Because it, 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 if it made sense, go do it, but it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense because it's all vanity. It's just junk. Am I right? And if you don't get a hold of peer pressure, then you can't get a hold of jealousy and envy and it'll affect your purchases. It'll make you make unwise decisions. And then you'll have regret. And regret's not friendly. Because when you do something and you look back on it and you can't go back and fix it, what do you do? You have to live with the consequences of your decision. Amen. And I'm telling you, I'm just sounding a warning to anybody of any age, because if you don't get a hold of envy, it affects you. you're not satisfied with the wife that God gave you, you're not satisfied with your kids, you're not satisfied with anything. And you're always looking for something better around the corner. And the better is right in front of you. I'm telling you, it's right in front of you. If you'll just let God fix your head. Because <laughs> the head's the problem. 
the tail is wagging the dog. And, and, and let me just say this. I'm not mad at nobody, but I'm telling you, our our role models, it, isn't it ridiculous? I mean, it's like, who? Kim who? Are you with me? You're like, no, really? Do you know, I just read this last week, so I'm saying, you know what it said? Kim Kardashian is famous for nothing. Boy, I'm glad I'm not known for that. What are you famous for? Nothing. You see, you see how vanity and how senseless. We need to pray for Kim. Really, really, really. Because she claims to have a religious component. Let's pray God fills that up. It gets so warped, you can't tell up from down or down from up. It, n- nothing even makes sense because of that. And I'm not talking about her now, so just forget her. But people in Hollywood don't look happy. It doesn't look like it worked. Now, will you agree? I think I'll just stay in my Bubba shoes and $10 jeans, hey? It doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's working. Gucci isn't Gucci gooing. First John two sixteen, let me read to you. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. I just told you what Hollywood is. That's what it is. And I'm not saying I don't have compassion, but I think they're lost in a wilderness that if they're not careful, will take them out. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 4. Listen, and I saw that all toil and all achievement sprang from one person's envy of another. In other words, they were motivated by jealousy and greed. That's meaningless. That's like chasing after the wind, it said. This isn't new. Solomon said, it's all vanity. I've run after it all and there's nothing to it. So we need to learn from our forefathers. They know what's right. Somebody told me years ago that grandbabies were the greatest things that you could ever, ever have in your life. And I didn't have any, so I didn't know anything about it. 
And I didn't have any say so when I'd get some. But I got some. They were right. They were right. They call our house and I mean, we can get their fire faster than the fire truck or the police. And they're, just tell you, just so you know, don't have to ask me. They're the cutest, they're the brightest. They're the smartest. Whatever the word you got, they're that. And they're all mine. And you can have your Gucci purse. I'll take Jackson. He makes my day. Because in that little boy reflects God. It reflects God. It reflects what's good about life. He's, he's little. He, he's not corrupted. He looks at me and says, you're silly, Papa. And I don't. Correct him because that's fine when he says it. Don't you say it. Because all wrapped up in a beautiful little ball is God. And all that's good about life. And he has my last name. And that makes my buttons pop off of my chest. Because in that, to me, represents simple, magnificent beauty. Why do we get envious? Why do we get jealous? I don't know. If I did, I wouldn't do it. But I have done it. I like what Rick Warren says. Listen to this. Anytime you feel jealous or envious, you hurt God. Because you reject the idea that he made you unique. You're criticizing the job he did in making you. I think I've thought about it all week since Monday of last week when one of the pastors at the church we attend just said something that got in my head. Ricky, I really think, I I really think the problem, and I thought about it all week, what's the problem? Is we don't embrace how God made us. I think once we figure out that God made us and we're special, that'll take up all of our time. We'll be running after that the rest of our life. Once we realize I'm not just a mistake, I'm not just a manufactured guy from an assembly line, I was designed by God. He put his fingerprint on me. He didn't put me on an assembly line. He said, hi, 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 bring him into my shop. He's mine. I'm going to make him. And every one of us in this room, he did that too. 
Everybody. He went into a place and designed us like he wanted us to be. And I really think the problem is we can't get it in our head. We get it somewhere. That's why I prayed when I started. Help our spirit hear what the spirit says today, Lord. But once you know that you're special, and I'm not saying that like everybody's not. I'm saying everybody's special. Once you know that I'm special and you can be special too, then we're not in a race. I'm doing my special and you're doing your special. Let's go do it together. We're all special if we're designed by God. Amen. And so I think the problem is our uniqueness. We don't get it. We, we don't think we're unique. The devil tells us all kinds of lies. And he's the father of lies. So if he lies to you, don't be surprised. Amen. He lies to everybody all the time. Let me give you some tips on how to fix this. And I don't know. This doesn't even sound like a sermon, but this is what I feel I'm supposed to do. So I'm going to do it. Tell everybody around you how awesome they are. Be the lover. When you walk in a room, make everybody go, Woo, I'm glad they came. Build everybody up. They get torn down enough Monday through Friday. When you see them on Sunday, you build them up. If you can't find anything good to say, stay home. But don't stay home, so repent. <laughs> we need you here. But don't come in here and tell everybody how rough your week is. Don't make it about you. Make it about him. And if he sends you here, he'd like you to make somebody's day. I promise. I don't even have to go check with him. Because this world beats people up. There's people that have walked in this room. They don't want to tell you what they've been through this week. And you don't need to know, but you can spend five minutes telling them how glad you are they came. Doesn't cost a dime. And they'll remember you next Sunday. I promise. I do. And when you think about others and think about yourself less, it's better. Amen? It's better. It's just better. Recognize what makes a good friend. A lot of people are trying to be friends with people that they shouldn't be friends with. And they're in an envy loop because the other person is no good for them. Get out of that loop. Get out of that. Don't hate them, but don't hang with them. I can look at my wife and she knows exactly who I had to do that with. Knows exactly who it was. 
not a bad guy. I'm not a bad guy. But these two peas don't fit in one pod. He's better off without me, and I know I'm better off without him. And listen, listen, listen. It's not mean. We're still going to heaven. I'll see him in heaven. He's a Christian. He just needs to stay on the other side of the fence. Now, 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 now let's just get real because I'm not going to just preach all day, but let's get real. That's real. Singing kumbaya with everybody ain't going to work. And you're just going to keep getting hurt and keep getting hurt and keep getting hurt and keep getting hurt. And they're just going to keep loving it and keep loving it. Why don't you just stop all that and just leave? You know why? Because deep down, you don't believe God created you special. It's taken me a week to get here, but I'm here. Because if I thought that God made me special, I wouldn't have hung out with him for 20 years. What was I doing? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Trying to get somebody that for whatever reason wasn't going to come around to come around. Boy, I'm so glad I don't have to do that anymore. Because God's got plenty of people for me if I'll let go of that. And he does for you too. God loves you enough to put people in your life that are going to bless your life. I got all kinds of people in my life. I don't miss that guy. Why in the world was it such a big deal? That's what my wife wondered. That's what people that are watching you wonder. What is going on? Don't listen. Listen. It's not on that piece of paper, but it's in here. Don't let people hurt you. Don't let them. If they're hurting you, leave. Just leave. Don't get mad. Don't say something they have to repent over. Just go, bye. Well, what if, you know, all the, I know how our minds work. I can't answer all the questions, but I still stick to that same fact. Get out of there if people are hurting you. If, if it's this place, pray. Don't leave. I don't think churches run people off if there were good churches, and I think this is a good church. They're not perfect people in the room. They're just people. But one of the people that you're having a problem with today can be your best friend by next Christmas, I promise. I've seen it happen over and over again. Just hang around long enough for God to do his work. But if you're in a situation where they're just abusing you, get out of there. I don't think God wants us to be abused. This is huge. This next one. If the only thing you compliment is external, quit. And start complimenting the internal. There's people that can't help how they look, but they're precious on the inside. And somebody needs to tell them they're precious to them. Because people that are precious on the inside are precious, if you ask me. So... If the only thing we got to talk about is dresses and shoes and hair, just don't do that anymore. 
Because I promise you, I've been around long enough. My mama was a girl. <laughs> I've been around long. And every lady in this room looks in the mirror before she leaves and asks God to get a magic wand and change something about them before they walk out. Every lady I've ever met has that. So let's not focus on the outside. It's so vanishing. You can't pick Miss America out in the nursing home. Amen. Listen, listen, listen. What's on the inside is what's going to make it to the finish line. I promise. I promise. So let's talk about what's on the inside because there's a lot of women in here. You got gold on the inside. Somebody needs to let you know. Men, not so much. Men think they're God's gift to the world anyway. Last. Pick your heroes. Get rid of a lot of them you thought were. Get them out of there. Pick some heroes. Hardly anybody in this room knows who this is, probably except my wife. There was a lady who used to be over the women's ministry in Tennessee. Her name was Alice Jane Schaefer Blythe. She got married again, so she had a long... You couldn't put her name on the marquee because too long. Alice Jane Schaefer Blythe. And she was my grandmother by default. She bought my sister's first diapers. They drove us in their Chrysler to New York to get on a ship to go to Africa for the second time. And I was just a little boy. And I'd look at her and I'd say, she must have come from a perfect home. She must have had the most godly parents that have ever lived on this earth to be how she is. She's the godliest woman. Mother Teresa doesn't have anything on this lady. You know what I mean? I grew up with her. And then I got old. And I found out that she came from the roughest patch that I'd ever heard about. And it was only the grace of God. She was the first person in her entire family that accepted Jesus. And that makes me think of those four in that village and Mahdi in my village. Go Mahdi, go, buddy. You can turn this thing around. If you have him, he has you. And then I realized what was on the inside was cold. It was pure gold because she was refined in the fire. What I thought was wrong, but the fire made her who she was. And she died just like she was in my life. She was a saint. Because she'd gotten through all this. And she liked nice stuff. She liked to go shopping with my mom, but that wasn't what she was about. That's just what she did as a hobby. 
I've held you long enough. One little story, and then we're going to go home. I love you. You say how you know. I know. I know. I I love I get to do this. This isn't even work. I don't even know what you call what I do, but I love to get to do this because I love people. Her name was Bla- Bailey Roselle. And Bailey Roselle was in a church that I traveled through and her mom and dad asked if I'd go to lunch with him one day. And so over the years, I went to lunch with Bailey and Shelby, her sister, and my, Michelle and Danny, and I got to know them all. And to look at Bailey, she had it all together. She had the right car, the right hair, the right shoes, the right, all the stuff I've talked about she had. She was a 16-year-old cheerleader, you know. She was. She had it all together on the outside. And I thought she had it all together on the inside. She'd come to the altar when I'd come to speak and I'd pray with her about some need or pray about some friend that she wanted to find Jesus. And she really looked like she was trying to live for God. And she was. But there was a boy at that school. (laughs) Isn't that how these stories start? That decided he was going to, I remember how he said it to somebody that I overheard him say it to, I'm going to have Bailey Roselle. That just made me shiver. I didn't know what he meant, but I knew enough about him to know it wasn't good. And so I, next time I saw her, I said, Bailey, I want to talk to you. And I, we went out to the restaurant and I sat in her Mustang with her. She just had it striped that week. She was so proud. And I said, Bailey, you need to stay away from him. I know, Brother Dan. I said, I grabbed her arm. I said, Bailey, read my lips. Stay away from Tommy. And I knew we were in trouble because she didn't say she would. I didn't see her in church for about six months. And then about nine months later, I was at the house in the bedroom. We have a little recliner in there about nine o'clock at night. Phone rings and it's Bailey. She was crying. She said, Brother Dad, I messed up. And I let you down. And I'm pregnant. I said, Bailey, you didn't let me down. You let yourself down. Didn't you? She said, yep. I said, I got good news. I I said, God specializes in messes. He loves a message. I said, a friend told me years ago, a preacher that was immoral and had to leave his church. I called him. I Actually, I flew to New Orleans to be with him. And I asked him, I said, how'd you get in this mess? 
I'll never forget what he said. He said, I ran as fast away from God as I had run to God. I said, Bailey, start running right now to God as fast as you can. And that time she listened. And her mama and her daddy and her grandma and her granddad, everybody told me, man, that girl is running after God. I said, good, good. Nobody knew what would happen. Bailey was pregnant, you know. You can't hide being pregnant. And I just want to say something. It's just a commercial. If you're not pregnant and you're proud, get over yourself because you can't hide pregnant. And there's a whole lot of stuff that goes on that people hide. Nobody knows. But she couldn't hide what her situation was. And so she ran to God. And you could tell, I mean, I, you know, I, I know her and I, I knew she was sincere, even though a lot of people would wonder. And one day I was back in her little church and she came forward and she said, Brother Dan, just like this, she said, I know I messed up. But she said, I want a husband. And I want a life. And I want a future. And I said, Bailey, 20, Jeremiah 29, 11 doesn't have your name in there, but it didn't say you're excluded from it either. And so we're just going to pray like it's your scripture. She said, I'm going to go home, put it on my wall. She did. I saw it. And Bailey Roselle had that baby. And seven months later, Brad Parrish asked her out on her first date. And when she looked at him like he was crazy and said, don't you know I have a little boy? He said, yeah, I won't have to start a family. We already have one. And by the end of that year, Bailey Roselle Parrish was married to Brad. One of the chief firefighters in Tyler, Texas. And they have two more beautiful little babies. And they're on the second row in a church that I know about. And I talked to her last night and said, I'm going to tell your story tomorrow. She said, you tell that story anytime you want to. Because it's not about me. It's about a God that picks up pieces when you've made a mess. And say, says, watch this. I went to Calvary for this. I'm going to tell you something. I don't know what kind of preacher you think I am, but I'm one that's been saved by the same blood of Calvary that you have and still needs it often. I'm not, my little grandson, I tell him all the time, I'm not gooder than you. Jesus is gooder than all of us. 
listen, we better remember it's his blood that makes us, any of us, have a chance. But it's enough. It's enough. He says, come on, come on. The last little thing I'll say, and it's not an advertisement, it's just in my heart. When I was sewing buttons on and doing stupid stuff, I was starting in ministry and I was insecure. BJ and I have talked about this at lunch. If you're not careful in ministry, people will make you insecure because they have an expectancy for you that you don't have for yourself. So they're trying to put you in a mold or however you want to say it. I went through some of that, trying to prove myself, trying to be accepted. Silliest game I ever played in my life. But I had a friend who was Congregation of Holiness. Never heard of that. Doesn't matter. It's a little Pentecostal denomination, mostly in Georgia. And there's a preacher down there named Ken Edenfield. And from the first day I met him, I called him Dr. Edenfield. He looked like Colonel Sanders. Just, just remember Colonel Sanders? That's Ken Edenfield. Talk like him, look like him. If you walk in a room, he'd take over the room like Colonel Sanders would. And he called me Dr. Webb because I called him. So every time, hey, Dr. Webb, how you doing? Hey, Dr. You know, craziness. But that man, single-handedly with Jesus, fixed me. <laughs> had, had 38 people because of a church split when I met him. And he fixed me. I told him, I did his funeral. I told him before he died, I think your assignment of life was me. Took me in his, Terry knows, took me in his arms just like I was his son. He told, he told me before he died, he said, my boys are going to fight over my Rolex, so I'm going to give it to you. True story. True story. And for years I kept it. And finally, I asked his wife, we needed some money for a mission trip. And I asked her if I could sell it. She said, absolutely, I'll tell him. <laughs> He's already in glory. But he got that junk out of me. I still fight it. But it's not like it was. Fall in love with Jesus. He's falling in love with you. Now you, it's your turn. Pain, hurt, fear, disappointment, all that stuff. That's what keeps us from him. I like what you said earlier. Just shake all that off and just go back and do it again. Just, just go back and say, God, here I am again. And fall in love with Jesus. When you fall in love with Jesus, it'll work. It did for Bailey. It did for Brad. It'll work. Last thing, and this is very personal. I trust you, I wouldn't tell you. Preacher's kids are the hardest kids. I got one. And Terry would always say, keep your mouth shut. That's what she'd say to me. Don't say anything. Be careful. She didn't want me to push him over the edge. And I didn't want something bad to happen to him while he was getting to the edge. <laughs> 
Last May, my son came over to my house in the middle of the night. <laughs> I'd just flown in. And he looked at me after saying a lot of stuff, and he said, Dad, y'all are right. I tried to make everybody and myself believe all this stuff about prayer, and God is hocus-pocus. I'm wrong. I can't explain away all these prayers. You can't, you can't, I run out of answers. It's real. And Aubrey told me to come over and tell you and invite you and mom to church with us Sunday. So you don't have to ask me where I go to church. I go to church where my son started going to church. Best place for us to be. My grandbabies are downstairs in children's church. Best place for them to be. And we're wearing Bubba shoes and $10 jeans. And it's all okay. Jesus, we're a room full of people with Bubba shoes, $10 jeans, and fake pocketbooks. And that's all fun and games, but what we don't want is for our hearts to not be genuine. We don't want any counterfeiting going on inside. And I pray, God, today that you would just use this little visit around. It's almost like a visit around a campfire. And just help us to fall in love with you, Lord. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. That's, that's not the type of service that we're in right here. But I do, I do want, and, and I'm not going to look, and I'm not going to say I see your hand. That's not what this is about. But if you're in this room and you have a desire for the Lord to come and be more special in your heart, if you feel pushed for time when you do your Bible reading or your Bible study, I just want to ask you, I'm going to raise my hands. I just want to ask you to raise your hands and just say, come in. Remember that old song, come into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I just want us to say that out loud to the Lord today, if you will, with me. Father, today we just ask you to come in our hearts in a more powerful way. I pray, God, anything that displeases you or is not necessary for us, I pray we push it aside. And I pray that we fall in love with you again and again and again and again and again. Help us to remember, Lord, you're enough. You made us special, and we're special to you, and you're enough, Lord. And I pray, God, that we would just, throughout this week, embrace that and just ask you to come in and take over. Have your way. 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 Lord, if we give you our lives, 
you will use us for your glory. Help people to find their uniqueness in you. Help them to find their calling. The preachers in the room aren't the only ones called to do something by you, Lord. Help everybody to find their purpose and their calling. Have your way in us. For thine is the kingdom and thine is the power. Hallelujah. Say it with me. And thine is the glory forever. And everybody said, Amen.